Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, thank you for joining me on this awesome, wonderful Monday uh, afternoon, evening. Uh, man, oh man, uh, the weekend was good. I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's Monday. I missed you guys. I hope you missed me. I hope those of you watching on YouTube don't make me get in the chat and have to command that you hit the like button. Make that the first thing you do, and, and do it like you're a Democratic voter. Do it multiple times. You can hit that like button five, six, seven times. Find some dead family members to hit that like button. Hit the subscription button. Do all of that. Uh, you know, bang that like button like you're a Democratic voter over and over and over and over again. Uh, particularly if you live in Georgia or Arizona. Anyway, uh, let me stop before uh, I get myself in trouble. YouTube probably doesn't like that. Uh, anyway, awesome, fantastic show uh, planned for you today. Uh, we're going to talk football. That's what we do on Mondays. Uh, the Korean Cosell is going to be here, and uh, Jason Brown, Last Chance Q. He's going to be here. He's going to help me and you break down this entire NFL weekend. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, before we do that, I want to tell you this other thing that I'm excited about uh, because I'm going to take care of it. I like to do things in real time. I let you guys down, and I told you all that the next time you saw me, I would have my Patriot mobile phone. I don't have it, and I'm mad at myself, but I'm going to take care of it right now because I uh, spent an evening with Glenn Story, one of the founders of Patriot Mobile, uh, last week at John Rich's house when I met Lauren Bulbert, and, and Glenn gave me his contact information, and uh, I he told me to reach out to him and contact him and to take care of this Patriot Mobile situation, and that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to take care of it right now. Uh, I'm going to send him because I need to be a Patriot Mobile uh, subscriber. And so let me send Glenn this text. Hi, Glenn. This is Jason Whitlock. It was great to meet you at John Rich's house. I need to take care of switching over to uh, Patriot Mobile. Need to do it this week, today, preferably. Uh, all right, so I've done that. I'm in the works. 
If you want to know why you need to be doing it, it's because Patriot Mobile is on our team. If you've seen their plans and the kind of shenanigans that not their plans, the kind of shenanigans the left is planning on for our kids, I hope you're aware of all the things Patriot Mobile is doing to fight that. This, look, you're going to get great cell phone coverage. They are connected to all the biggest distributors and carriers. It's going to be just like anything else. But you're also going to be supporting a company that supports our values and is an, in the fight to save our kids from all the crazy things the left and the LGBTQ and the alphabet mafia are trying to do. Glenn, this is why it was great to meet and connect with Glenn and to hear firsthand his commitment to his kids, your kids, our kids, the next generation, so that they have the same kind of opportunity that we have. There's a reason why they call themselves Patriot Mobiles, because they're actual patriots. And it's the kind of company we should be supporting. You just saw me. I'm getting me a Patriot Mobile phone. I apologize for being late. I told you guys last time, the next time you saw me, I'd have a Patriot Mobile phone this week, and I'll update you on this later this week when I have it and have done it. But you can go to patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 972-PATRIOT to get free activation with the offer code Jason. You can do the same thing I'm doing, patriotmobile.com slash Jason. Use the promo code Jason. Special discounts are available for veterans and first responders. You can join our movement, make the switch today, and make a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. Or simply call 972-PATRIOT. I apologize to you guys uh, for being late with this. And, and I, am I, I, I'm, let me admit one other embarrassing thing. This is the problem. You know what? This is great. I get to talk about this as well. This, I don't want anybody to make the mistake that I made. When you, st when you prioritize your career and you don't have a good life balance and you're out of order with God's plan, you end up a 55-year-old guy like me that can't keep things all straight and you know needed to have a wife and I'd already have my Patriot mobile phone and I wouldn't have waited until uh, late last week to register to vote in Tennessee. Uh, I, I registered to vote late last week, woke up today like, hey, I wonder when my registration is going to get approved. And then found out that the deadline for registration was October the 11th. So I'll be registered to vote uh, in the next election, uh, but in this election, the best I can do is a provisional vote that they'll use if some race is close. Uh, but I screwed it up and, and it, it pains me. I was embarrassed this morning when I found this out. I'm embarrassed admitting it to you, but I'm completely transparent with you guys and my audience. I, I, I don't want to mislead anybody. I screwed up. And it's because, you know, too much doing this show and just Remembering to wash my underwear is enough uh, of a hassle for me. And if I had more help, if I had a family and, and, and anyway, follow God's plan. Get your life in order. That way you'd be registered to vote on time. That way you'd already have your Patriot mobile phone. 
I apologize, guys, but I'm transparent. I'm telling you what's going on with me. I'll have a Patriot mobile phone. I'll be registered to vote in 2024 when I can pull that lever and run out these demonic leftists uh, from as many offices as possible. Uh, so anyway, I've taken care of that. I've given you my moment of transparency. Please forgive me. Uh, you can light me up in the comments or in the chat. I'll further explain there, but it's Monday. Let's start talking football. Let's bring in the Korean Cosell and talk about what happened in the NFL this weekend. And we're gonna start with the uh, Dallas Cowboys Korean Cosell. Uh, Tony Pollard may have uh, just put some real pressure on Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys beat up the Chicago Bears by 20 points. Uh, Tony Pollard runs for three touchdowns, I believe, more than 100 yards. Zeke's on the sidelines with his nose ring and his Betty Rob Barney Rubble, Betty Rubble hairstyle, whatever he's got going on. They're paying Zeke a lot of money. Is Tony Pollard a better option? Is he better than Ezekiel Elliott? Do they have a running back controversy in Dallas? They probably do, but again, the difference is uh... – is it better or is it different? I will say this about Zeke. There was a couple games this year. Uh, I thought he was running hard, breaking tackles, moving the chains, and keeping them ahead of the change, which I think is really important, especially as you get to the playoffs. But this much is undeniable. With Tony Pollard, you get a jolt of speed and quickness and the ability to hit the home run. And if you're going to be overly methodical sometimes, the problem is you don't necessarily score but Jerry Jones, as is his want, came out and basically said, well, you know, um, Zeke's been around. He does a lot of great things, yada, yada. And that was his way of saying, no, 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 no. I paid a lot of money for this guy not to sit on the bench. So I get the feeling that the GM, Jerry Jones, is going to tell the coach, whoever that is, that he put in place, Mike McCarthy, look, I got to get my money's worth here. I need Dak in the lineup and I need Zeke in the lineup. And I get the sense, though, for Zeke, that this will be his one last shot uh, because at the end of the day, if you look at his salary cap number and the hit they take, you've got to get a little bit more production and explosion out of that spot. But again, Tony Pollard's like a lot of other players. Less is more. Certain guys are better as you keep them fresh, you limit their touches, and you help keep them nice and bouncy with their legs. I want to see what happens in a month or two if he's counted on to be that number one running back. Well, 131 yards on 14 carries, and, and I think clear as day, these guys are going to be splitting time moving forward, that that guy is going to get 14 carries a game, and that may only leave – 14 to 16 carries for Zeke. Uh, Dallas defense is really good. Uh, the offense, I think, is better with Dak than Cooper Rush. Dallas looks like, to me, this is a good problem to have. Too much talent at the, you know, during the offseason when you're dealing with the salary cap and all that, it becomes a bad problem. But within the 2022 season, this is a good problem. They have two running backs uh, that can light it up, and, and one of them's a home run hitter, and another guy's you know good between the tackles and can get outside still. But I would have never uh, paid Zeke all the money that, that they did, and I think I said that at the time. 
Uh, but maybe I'm doing a little revisionist history. All right, I, I want to move on to another game that, that caught my interest or another situation that caught my interest uh, because this is a game that I, I had in a teaser this weekend and teased it all the way to plus nine points. Uh, the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders playing the New mm. Orleans Saints. I had nine points. They didn't score any points. Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels may be the worst of the Bill Belichick assistant mm. coaches. Mm. The Raiders are straight trash. They miss John Gruden. L- look at this list of uh, Belichick flops. Uh, Matt Patricia, Romeo Cornell, uh, Charlie Weiss, uh, who, 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 oh, Jim Schwartz is on that list. But I, well, Jim Schwartz would be considered a flop. Uh, and Josh McDaniels, of all the Bill Belichick flops, am I right for thinking Josh McDaniels may be the worst of them? Oh, hey, that's like asking me, like, what's worse? Gonorrhea, syphilis, the clap, chlamydia. I mean, they're all kind of bad. Um, here's the one thing about McDaniels. He's had a little bit more success than some of these other guys. I mean, Romeo Cornell is the consummate football guy, but he's like the modern-day Joe Bugle, meant to be the really trusted, handy assistant. Charlie Weiss, if you look at the money he's been paid by various programs going all the way to Notre Dame, he had first two years, he had 10 win seasons, I think, with Brady Quinn at quarterback. But from that point on, nobody has gotten more out of whispering into the headset to Tom Brady than Weiss, okay? I think he might be the biggest bust based on the fact he was brought in to revive programs, and he absolutely was terrible. Now, I will say this about Josh McDaniel. This is not a bad offensive football team. I know defensively they're not bad. But yesterday, Jason, to get shut out in today's modern NFL by a team that's not exactly the 85 Bears, that might be the single worst performance of any National Football League team. I'll be honest. We didn't talk about it on Friday. But I thought the Raiders were still kind of in it. If you look at their first four or five games, they didn't have a great record, but they were all one-possession games. So you can make an argument, a play here, a play there. But you know what? On Sunday, the autumn wind did not blow in the Superdome. And the the windows for coaches now, I think in college and the National Football League, are different. There was a period of time where everyone got four to five years. Jason, I think you get about two years now. And if by that second year there's no progress, you are now on the hot seat. Uh, McDaniels, because of what he got paid and the fact he's only eight games into this, not on the hot seat yet, but I would keep an eye on that situation. Because, again, I get the sense that Mark Davis, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, you know what? John Gruden should still be my coach. John Gruden st- should definitely still yes. uh, be their coach. And and Josh I- Derek, this guy's going and not, I was a believer in Derek Carr. Uh, mm. And there are some people that are not believers in Derek Carr. Uh, but but I, I think Josh McDaniel's tenure here, how if it goes beyond this season or next season, is going to cost Derek Carr his reputation and ability to approve that he's a top flight NFL coach because Derek Carr is going to go down with this ship as well and maybe he should again getting shut out by the Saints is a joke Jason let's look at the Raiders roster around him 
Devontae Adams, you paid a lot of money for a premier receiver. When healthy, Darren Waller is a Pro Bowl tight end. Josh Jacobs is going to make a really a good payday at the end of this year should he stay healthy. They have Renfro, a really good slot receiver. All the pieces are there. I've always been a little bit more of a car guy. I thought he's kind of like Dak Prescott. He's kind of sort of elite, but not really. But here's the reality of the National Football League. You either have your quarterback or you're looking for him. And Derek Carr was always somewhere in that middle where I kind of vacillated. If they don't make the playoffs this year and win eight out of their next 10 games and make this run, in my view, the Las Vegas Raiders will move on from Derek Carr. Mm. Uh, how about the Seattle Seahawks? Ah! This has got to be the biggest surprise shock in the NFL. Ah. The Seahawks and Geno Smith look legitimate. They're atop the NFC West at five and three. Uh, Hadley this morning made a comparison, said we're in the 10-year anniversary of, of Geno Smith's Heisman run in 2012 when he started out like gangbusters the first five yeah. games, I think 24 TDs at West Virginia and everybody, oh my God, Geno for the Heisman, he's the greatest thing ever. And then he fell off a cliff. And so <laughs> are we looking at the same thing here? The, the, they've, uh, the five victories, Denver, disappointing season, but not a bad victory to start the season. Uh, Detroit, Terrible team. Arizona, not doing well. Chargers they beat, and now on Sunday they beat the New York Giants. Should we believe in Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks? Jason, they are not quarterbackless in Seattle. In fact, they have upgraded. And you know, when you take a look at Geno Smith, that run. Oh, come on, man. Hold it. Upgrade. Yeah, come on, I, Steve. I said it. I said it, and I will lay out my case later. But here's the thing about Geno Smith when you got West Virginia. He won the Denard Robinson Trophy, which for me is a Heisman Trophy that I crowned way too early in September. Remember Shoelace for Michigan? Two years in a row coming yeah. in October. I said, that's your Heisman Trophy. Didn't happen. But I'll say this about Geno Smith. I said about two months ago, I said, I said, Jay, he's a journeyman. Don't worry about it. They're going to tank for C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. No. Geno Smith, when I watch him now, you have to give him credit. Sometimes we get stuck in our preconceived notions and the perception of a player without actually looking at what's going on. I've watched Gino pretty closely the last three weeks, and he is throwing the ball. He's not just dinking and dunking. He's not just checked down Charlie. He is pushing the ball downfield with conviction. I have not seen him play with this type of confidence since 2012 in Morgantown when he was throwing the ball all over the place early on, he has developed into a leader. And did you see what Tyler Lockett said? I know people are trying to like back away. Well, he wasn't talking about Russell Weirdo, talking about, you know, it's great when nobody really wants to credit and people don't care. You could dress that up all you want. You know who he was talking about. I'm just telling you, Geno Smith has real arm talent. In fact, Tyler Lockett dropped an absolute dime for a touchdown, I said, whoa, there are very few quarterbacks that A, would have the confidence to make that throw, and two, even fewer, that would just stick it right there. And later in the game, he told Tyler, I'm going to come right back to you, and bang. And then the combination of his confidence 
and the running ability of Kenneth Walker, who's leading a very strong draft class, I like Seattle. And the best thing about Geno Smith is this. I guarantee you this. On a long-distance flight, he would just pip a, he would just pop a sleeping pill and knock out. He wouldn't be doing gassers in the aisle of the 747. So, yeah, they upgraded a quarterback. I said it. I, I yes. think that's tough to say, but, but I will say it's a really bad look for Russell uh, Wilson right now that, that, that this team has not backed up a step from him leaving, and that, you know, it's a great look for Pete Carroll. It, it it does, you know. I was always a defender of Russ, and always thought that so uh, Richard Sherman and the Legion of Boom were a little too hard on him. Marshawn Lynch, a little too hard on him. Uh, but maybe they were right. Maybe they were right. Maybe Russ's personality does something to a locker room. I gotta admit, when I, when I was when maybe I was wrong, Russ may have been a problem as a leader on the Seattle Seahawks, and where where Geno's personality or whatever is allowing everybody to elevate their performance, and he Jason, has certainly elevated his. Jason, look, he's been through some ups and downs, and you can argue he has not always been a good teammate. He, I remember he got punched because some airline fare that. He backed out of a trip, whatever. That's all in the past. You can grow. We have to give guys chances to grow and evolve as people. When I watch Seattle, I'm just telling you, they're not a great team, but they're an ascending team. They have fun playing. I mean, Pete Carroll looked like a guy last year that you said, okay, it's over. He had a very good run, but it looks like he's heading towards the sunset. He looks 20 years younger in terms of his energy on the sideline. These guys play hard, and they're having fun. And the best thing about him is, I guarantee you, if any of his teammates wanted to call Geno Smith, guess what? They could just call Geno Smith. They don't have to have my people call your people. Sorry, I I used to be a big Russell Wilson guy. I'm with you, Jay, but we have to call a spade a spade. This guy is toxic. He really is. And ever since he went Hollywood, marrying that pop star, he has not been the same guy. And look, we bring up Rich Gannon a lot on this show, which is funny. I'm going to bring him up again. I know. It took, it took Rich Gannon about a decade to find his footing as a frontline starter. Why not Geno Smith? Look at his numbers. He's I, throwing I, at 73%. That's pretty damn got- good, Jason. He, he's got very good weapons in Metcalf yeah. and Lockett, and and now they got a running back in Kenneth Walker. And and hey, hey, listen, your 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 the Rich Gannon analogy is who I was thinking of. There there have been some guys who reveal themselves late. You know the the whole thing of Geno getting punched in the mouth and yeah. his jaw broken kind of destroyed his reputation. But this is a fantastic story. If this guy rehabilitates himself, becomes an NFL starter, and and a a legitimate one, and gets a second contract or whatever, this would be a tremendous story. And hats off to Geno Smith and Pete Carroll for for pulling it off. Uh, It'll be interesting if he does get a big contract and does become their starter, how he handles that success. Uh, that'll be another another story, but hats off to Geno, hats off to Seattle. I am starting to believe, uh, although I, I think San Francisco is going to end up winning that division, 
Uh, mm. But I am starting to think Seattle will be a playoff team. You don't think San Francisco Jason, wins that division? Let me make this point. Christian McCaffrey? Uh, San Francisco has as good a roster as anybody in the NFC. I look at that team top to bottom, every level. They have like a Pro Bowl guy. But Jimmy G has to be Jimmy Good and not Jimmy OGs. And look, he played a really good game yesterday. There's, And I don't even want that level of play. If he could just be pretty good to serviceable, they could make a run, especially if Debo Samuels gets healthy. Because now you have Debo, Brandon Ayuk, who's turned into a really good receiver. George Kittle is an elite tight end. They have a Pro Bowl uh, fullback who's as le- athletic as anyone at that position. And they have a left tackle that's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And then Bosa on the other side of the ball. He's one of those rare he players. He mentioned Christian McCaffrey. Well, him too. We talked again. That goes without saying. And Bosa's one of those players. He's very rare. He elevates everyone else around him when he's healthy. But there are too many games where Jimmy G misses throws. See, everyone. The most overrated stat, Jason, in my view, in football, is yards per game and sometimes even percentage of completion. Because it's not about the throws that you make. You you can scheme up bubble screens and shuttle screens and, and short little stuff. But I've seen too many games where Shanahan game plans for a particular shot play. I mean, they give up a play, they give up a play, and then he dials one up that, that's supposed to go for 60 yards, and then Jimmy G just flubs it. It happened last year in the NFC Championship game. He missed throws that I think cost them the game, and it's happened more than once. Right now, if you were to ask me, gun to head, who do you trust more, everything being equal, Jimmy G or Geno, honestly, I would say Geno Smith. But who has the better team all the way around, 1 through 53? There's no doubt it is San Francisco. Wow, that's a powerful statement. You trust uh, Geno more than Garoppolo. Yes. That's interesting. I'd have to think about that. I wasn't prepared for that. But, you know, you throw those curveballs, I just got to roll with the punches. That's pretty good. Uh, hey, I want to talk, my favorite topic from Sunday, we're about to get to, uh, we're going to do the approval rating on him as well, and we'll, we'll do that now. Derrick Henry. I, I, I think mm. Derrick Henry is the biggest story coming out of that weekend. Let's go to our approval rating on Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry rushes for 219 yards on 32 carries, uh, Titans win their fifth game in a row, I believe, uh, over the Texans. They throw the ball 10 times mm. yesterday. Ten- Tannehill doesn't play. They play their third round pick out of Liberty, Willis or whatever. They throw the ball 10 times. What they did yesterday and what they did all week is they told uh, Mike Vrabel, said, hey, uh, Derek, we don't have our quarterback. Uh, this game is completely on you. We're going to ride you 32 times on Sunday or how many ever times it takes. You're going to take on the, the Houston Texans. It's Derrick Henry versus the Houston Texans. Derrick Henry delivers. Derrick Henry delivers and wins a game single-handedly. O.J. Simpson and, and who's Adrian Peterson are the only two other NFL running backs in history that have six 200-yard games. This guy 
is the MVP of the league right mm. now. What he's done over the last five mm. weeks, he's the most valuable player in the NFL. He, tell me who else in the league can you say, hey, look, it's all on you, baby. You, you got to carry us. Maybe what? Micah Parsons. Maybe sometimes over in Dallas, you know, they just let him go, and he, he goes LT and carries the team. But Derrick Henry is the GOAT right now, uh, right now in the NFL. He's the MVP of the league. Job performance, I, I, how can you do any better? I give him a 25 in job performance. He's the MVP of the league. You know, Jason, it depends on how you define valuable. I certainly think he's the most indispensable player because without him, you might as well start tanking. And there's there's no player that I know of right now, outside of maybe a few quarterbacks, who is the central heartbeat. I mean, yesterday is what I call the different strokes offense. <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? You are not throwing the ball. And, and they, <laughs> I got to tell you right now, that is not sustainable, though. Six for 10, 55 yards. I mean, what are they going to roll out next week? The wishbone? I mean, bring back Jamel Holloway? I just, I look, I get it. Uh, he is valuable in a sense that without him, this team is awful. We saw how they fell apart last year without him. And a healthy Derrick Henry last year probably gets them to a victory over the Bengals. I'm going to give him a 24. He looks like he's back to form as one of the most dominant players in the National Football League. Okay, hold on. I, you've made me look up the definition of indispensable, absolutely necessary, essential, or requisite, incapable of being disregarded or neglected. That, that's the definition of indispensable. Now you're going to make me look up the definition of valuable. <laughs> just because just you, you're part, having considerable monetary worth, costing or bringing a high price, having qualities worthy of respect, admiration, or esteem, of considerable use, service, or important. To me, it sounds like indispensable is better yeah. than valuable. I, I'm with you, but look, and I know we have a different standard. Absolutely remember... necessary, essential, or requisite, incapable of being disregarded or neglected. You're giving him higher praise by saying he's, yeah. the, he's the most indispensable. Jason, I know me and you, before we did this fine program for years, Five, six years ago, me and you were ahead of the – we kept saying, forget the quarterbacks. The best pure football player in the land is Aaron Donald. And you know the way this works. Nowadays, the thing is so rigged. MVPs cannot be won by anything more than a quarterback for the most part. But, yes, I believe that if you actually had a fair voting system that really actually looked at the word valuable and game-to-game -game impact on your team, right now, Derrick Henry is certainly in that discussion. I'm going to go a step further and say he should probably be the candidate for NFL Man of the Year. And I say that because Derek, I'm saying it. Derek Henry's a believer. He, he talks publicly about his faith. That's why, as it relates to character, you know, who knows if he's perfect or whatever, but I give him a 23 in character. Uh, I, I love this guy. Uh, he should be MVP and Walter Payton Man of the Year. God, I wish I would have known all that before I gave him a 20. Feels as though I'm kind of short-sliding him. Always been a really, really disciplined guy. I'll be honest with you. When he came out his senior year, can I admit something? I thought Christian McCaffrey should have won the Heisman Trophy that season. I, I do believe there was some East Coast, West Coast bias. 
And I did not know if Derrick Henry, with that tall, upright style, because I've never actually seen a running back that big. And I didn't know if he had Eric Dickerson-like athleticism that could just run away from people. And he's proven me wrong. I looked at his career stats. He has 7,500 yards. Uh, if he puts together two or three more years at this level, like he has the last four, he one day will have a bust in Canton. But, yeah, all that other stuff is good. I probably rated him too low, but, again, gave him a 20. Uh, authenticity. You know, he's a pro athlete. Uh, you know, I, I think he's married now. Who, who, I gave him a 20 in authenticity, though, just because I, I, I love the guy. I, I like what he represents. I love the way he plays the game. He reminds me of Jim Brown. Uh, I gave him a 20 in authenticity. I gave him a 20 also. He seems like a solid individual. You never hear him really speak out about things that you don't think that he should. Um, I didn't hear him trying to do the whole social justice warrior thing. He just wanted to play ball, which is absolutely fine. I prefer it that way. So, again, like you, I gave him a 20. Uh, Steve, I've already seen your it factor, and I'm really irritated and pissed. I, I don't understand uh, how you could score this low in it factor. <laughs> I give him a 23 in it factor. I mean, when, you, when I sit down to watch a football game, that's what I want to see. I want to see a great running back dominate a game. I want to see something I don't see from everybody else. How can you – anyway, you gave him a 10 in yeah, it factor. Who would you rather I'm, pay to see in the NFL? At running back? It's an interesting question. At any position. Oh, at any position. Josh Allen. This year's MVP. Josh Allen to me is – but look, the issue with Derrick Henry is that he plays in a relatively small market. He has not had a great postseason run. When I think of running backs with the it factor, um, it, I think of Emmett Smith. Because if you look at Emmett Smith in the playoffs, he was incredible. And that to me is the it factor. Till Derrick Henry makes no, that playoff no, run. No, no, no. And yes. I, I love Look. Emmitt Smith. The it factor is Barry Sanders. The it factor is the guy that can go for 2,000 yards, and Derrick Henry went for 2,027 yards. Derrick Henry is Der – Steve, Steve, when Derrick Henry ragdogged the defender – Grabs him by the front of his helmet and face mask and shoves him to the ground. And you start texting your friend. Did you see that? Did you see what Derrick Henry just did? He just made that grown man look like a little child. Treat him like a rag doll. That's the it. That's what football. That's the essence of football. A man imposing his will on he another man. But I'm going to say this again. The Emmett Smith slander will not be tolerated here. The things he did in the playoffs. In 92, 93, like 95, not enough. Not enough. Because when Emmett Smith had the ability to change a season, I, I am so sick and tired of people saying, oh, it's the offensive line. Look, in 1993, when he held out, uh, ask Jimmy Johnson what that offense looked like with Derek Lassick at running back. Well, again, hey, listen, Henry, if we're talking about value, I get it. If we were talking about value, Emmett Smith's valuable. Maybe the most valuable running back of all time. Who who knows? Okay. But it factor? In Look, I'm a Derek, when we want to turn a, on highlights, oh. 
when we want to turn on highlights, it's Barry Sanders and it's yeah. Derrick Henry. Okay, well, wait a minute. That's the how it many, factor. You talk about the it factor, because a lot of that has to do with the Q rating, right? Well, how many national endorsements does Derrick Henry have right now that you know of off the top of your head? I, Isn't that I a don't care. That, I blame that on the corporations. If he said a bunch of woke stuff, he'd have those commercials. Steve, this is the truth about and I'm, Emmett Smith, his value to the Cowboys and that great dynasty, not questioned at all. But, Steve, I would rather watch Derrick Henry workout routines than highlights of Emmett Smith running the what? football. Oh. I would rather watch his yeah, Instagram me. videos of him lifting all that weight, standing on those balance balls and catching footballs and catching weights. and all. That is more exciting than Emmett Smith's highlight tape. And I love Emmett Smith. But Emma Smith did what? not have an it factor. Oh. Derrick Henry does. Barry Sanders did. O.J. Simpson did. Jim Brown had it. Gail Sayers had it. Eric Dickerson. But not Emmitt. Eric Dickerson had it. But Jerry. not Emmitt. You Jay, can't you give must. this man a 10 in it factor. This you is can't. ridiculous. St you, you must have loved Mike Mamula. The man went 99 yards at six foot three and 250 pounds. He has a 99-yard touchdown run. You must have loved uh, Mike Mamula's pre-draft 1994 workout tape. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. You're telling me Emmett Smith, you're telling me his splash reel does nothing for you. Oh, jeez. That is blasphemous. I and I'm, I'm not even. Everyone says I'm a cowboy fan. No, I'm really not. I just what's his to signature run? What, what what's his signature run? You can't even name it. What? He's had about fifty. What, his of them. signature run? You can't name it. I can name a signature drive. Second Super Bowl against uh, Buffalo in Atlanta. They're struggling, and Jimmy Johnson said, "Run the ball," and they ran the counter play seven out of eight times, and he just lifted the Cowboys on his shoulders. I mean, this whole notion that Emmett Smith had 50-yard holes with no one, that's not true. There that's not what I'm arguing. Or how about this game? The 1993 regular season finale, home field advantage and the bye is on the line. Emmett Smith breaks his shoulder, tears streaming down his face, not looking good for the Cowboys. And then Emmett Smith, oh, when a hero comes along with the strength to carry on, as Mariah Carey said, lifted Dallas. One of the guttiest efforts I have ever seen. Had like 170 yards of rushing. He had nine catches, all of them mostly in overtime. Eddie Murray kicks the field goal, and that's probably the biggest win in Cowboy history in the regular season that I can recall. This, I look, Derrick Henry is great, but there's no need to not catch 22. Jay, you ought to be a This is not a good start to your week. Not a good start. Oh, God. Steve, I'm, I'm going to make here. a final point as a, and, oh, you know, I'm going to make a final point as it no. relates to, and and I've got him at uh, blazing hot. Steve's got him at a grease fire. Steve's crazy and insane. What? I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm going to start just naming NFL run, Marcus Allen, signature run, Super Bowl, su yeah. Super Bowl, reverses field against the Redskins, goes all the way for a touchdown. Earl Campbell. I remember he put his helmet in the chest of Isaiah Robertson oh, yeah. and bulldozed him and kept uh, Okay, I got one. I'll in, give you a signature. There's about run. 20 oh. Barry Sanders runs. That yes. Walter Payton, Agreed. any of him just jumping over the the 30 
defenders into the end zone. This man doesn't have a signature run, yes, Steve. Oh, my God. All right, I'll give you one. Monday night football. Tony Dorsett no, against Denver. 99 yards. Didn't he 99 go 99 yards? yards? Yes, against Minnesota, Monday night football. They only had 10 Minnesota, guys on the field, bad. by the way. Okay, Jason, I'll give you a signature uh, run, and I'll send it to you later. They're playing Monday night football in Atlanta at the brand-new Georgia Dome. He takes a toss pitch. He runs into, like, a pile of, like, 15 Falcons. It looks like, and all of a sudden, he bounces out. And he, it's one of the greatest runs ever. Another play, 1991 Monday Night Football against the great Redskins. He takes a swing pass. Five Redskins just bounce off him. And he spins away, and he takes it like 70. This whole notion that Emmett Smith had boring runs, it's not true. It's, it just kills me to defend a Florida Gator to this regard. But Emmett Smith had 18,355 yards. You make it sound like he did four yards at a Four yards at a time. That is it was four yards in a cloud of dust. Completely untrue. He that was great. He deserves all his flowers. Blasphemy. You owe him. You uh, owe him an apology. Oh God. You all right. Owe him an let, let me. Here, here's my list of the ten greatest running backs of all time. It's not really in order, but it kind of is. Jim Brown, mm-hmm. uh, Barry Sanders. Hey, scroll up mm-hmm. so I can read this. Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, O.J. Simpson, Emmitt Smith, Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson, Adrian yep. Peterson, Marshall Falk, Ladanian Tomlinson. Those, to me, are the 10 greatest runs. And I apologize to Gail Sayers and a few other people that didn't make that list. Do you think Derrick Henry is going to crack that top 10? I don't. I don't think he'll have the overall numbers. And here's the other thing. Derrick the man Henry... ran for 2,000 yards. What, 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 what does he got to do? All right, so it's Chris Johnson. In your all-time list is Jamal Lewis no, in your all-time no. list? Okay, well, that, that alone no. is not the prerequisite. Do I believe Derrick Henry will be a Hall of Famer? I think so, but I also That's think not the he, question. Okay, but, do, okay, would I take any of these guys, uh, or would I take Derrick Henry over any of these guys? No, because certain guys were really much more versatile in terms of getting out into the pass game. Um, look, I'm a Derrick Henry fan, but we're talking about the elite of the elite. And those guys are so good. Uh, by the way, I would actually put Gale Sayers in my top 10. He was so electric. I know he did who, not who have you, a long who you, run. Who are you pushing out? Who are you pushing out? Adrian Peterson. I don't think he was a great pass receiver. Didn't really block. And Gale Sayers was also a great kick and punt returner. I'm a big Gale Sayers fan. The stuff that he, he didn't did. do it long enough, Steve. No, he, he didn't, didn't do it he long didn't, enough. He didn't, but I mean, we're talking about peak value. I mean, that guy played such a short time, but his peer said that is a Hall of Famer. I don't know. That's a good list. That's a. I actually think you nailed that one pretty good. You know, that's just my view of it. Another guy, again, a, the career was cut short, but a guy that I absolutely love because of his vision and balance, Terrell Davis. Unfortunately, the football gods would not let him stay healthy. So. It's a good list, but again, you're asking Derrick Henry to break into the elite of the elite of the elite. I think it's very difficult. And you don't think he's going to make it? No. Uh, keep, keep in mind, my last point on this on Derrick Henry. We're in an era where they don't feature the running backs 
the way they used to when, when most of the all-time greats played. It was a running back league back then. And so in this era where everything's bent towards the passer, we got this throwback who will still carry a team on his back, 4.8 yards per carry, 11 TDs every year, uh, got a trash quarterback or an average quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, puts his team on his back uh, year after year after year after year. I, I just don't. And, and so he, he's got the, other than Barry Sanders, he's probably got the greatest highlight tape of any well, running back oh my ever. God. Well, what? Really? How many guys Better does he have Eric- to ragdoll? We'll be watching those ragdoll plays for years. Do you really think he has a better highlight reel than Eric Dickerson? Jay, really? Really? There's no way. Eric Dickerson may have not been as thick. Eric Dickerson himself is 6'2 and a half, 225. Nobody could run at his size that upright and still lower his pad level and make people miss and outside of Daryl Green outrun everybody. Eric, now it's Eric Dickerson slander. Wow. I don't even know. I'm who not you slandering are. Eric Dickerson. I love Eric Dickerson. I, I, wow. I, I love Eric. He's in my top. I want 10. to apologize my to Sealy Texas for what you just heard. Sealy Texas, we love you. <laughs> and Eric Dickerson was my all time. I almost threw out, instead of my rice ball, I almost had a jerry curl earlier. That's how much I think I want to apologize for what Jason Whitlock has said about the, the galloping goggles, Eric Dickerson. You, you are really starting to reach. I get it. Henry is great, but a better highlight reel than Eric Dickerson. I'm going to YouTube you some stuff. Wow. I, I need Jason Brown. On I, I, Can we get Jason Brown here? God, jeez. We'll, we'll get wow. Jason Brown here in a minute. I do want people in the chat, in the comments, uh, commenting on this particular issue. I, I can't wait to read here what our audience actually thinks. Who's on the right side of this argument? Steve's clearly undervaluing Derrick Henry, but oh. I'll let you guys in the chat uh, decide. Uh, I want to move on uh, to a topic I know you have some interest in. Uh, LeBron James uh, says he's no longer a Cowboys fan over the kneeling incident. Let's let's hear from King James himself. This year, but I heard you talk shit about the Cowboys in a long, I mean, maybe since like 1997 or something. You still a Cowboys fan? Nah, man. I had to I had to chill out. I had a lot on the Cowboys, man. Like, you know, man, there's just a lot of things that was going on during the, you know, when guys were kneeling and, and, and um, you know, guys would have, you know, freedom of speech and wanted to do it in a very peaceful, you know, manner. And, you know, a lot of people in their front office and a lot of people that, you know, ran the organization was like, you know, if you do that around here, then you would never play, you know, for this franchise again. And, you know, I just didn't think that was appropriate. So. Makes total sense. <laughs> You know, I like a lot of the players on the team still. You know, I love CeeDee Lamb. Obviously, you know, our, our our boy Zeke, you know, you know, Buckeye, you know, I still mess with him. I love Micah Parsons. He's a dog. Oh He's my a dog. God. Micah Parsons is a dog, you know, Trayvon Diggs, you know, but you know, I had to I had to turn it in, even though I still got a lot so of So now you all so now you all in on the Browns. I'm all in on the Browns and you know, you know, we <laughs> we won one one shining moment. <laughs> Hmm. Doesn't mention Dak Prescott. That would be the other thing I found interesting there. But uh, your thoughts? I think that's fair. But he has to understand one thing. This goes both ways. Because of the behavior and the stances and the 
uh, movement of the NBA players the last couple of years, I have stopped watching the Lakers and the whole league. That's fair. I think LeBron has to realize this goes both ways. You are absolutely allowed as an individual to stop supporting anything in any realm for whatever reason, including your social stances and the whole BLM thing. You know what, LeBron? That is fair because I hold you guys to the same standard. Ironically, I don't watch any NBA anymore because of your social stances and your comments. So you know what, LeBron? It's equal game. It's fair game. I'm with it. Mm, that, that's I, I didn't know where you were going. I like that point. Uh, anybody that's upset with the NFL or NBA about their yeah. social justice stances, right. LeBron has just justified it. And so I, I wonder how LeBron feels about uh, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets uh, chastising Kyrie Irving for his freedom of speech. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as it relates to he, Kyrie can't even retweet a movie or a documentary that the owner disagrees with or others disagree with without, you know, the ownership of the Brooklyn Nets coming down on him. So I wonder if LeBron is upset with the Nets and NBA ownership for trying to infringe on Kyrie Irving's free speech. I doubt it. Uh, anyway, you've made an excellent point. Go ahead. Right. And by the way, is LeBron upset at Amazon for running that said documentary, hosting it? Is he gonna is, is he gonna no. go out there and rip Jeff Bezos? Or you really want to get that deep into it? The the other thing is, LeBron, if you still feel as the social or societal ills are still taking place and we've made no progress as a country, um, why aren't you still protesting? And by the way, we all know about LeBron. As soon as he and his team decided to pull that episode of the shop with Kanye. Uh, I knew right then. I'm like, that's the one episode I may have actually sat through because I was actually interested to see what happened. As soon as they pulled it, I said, that's all you need to know about LeBron. He's a puppet. And unlike Kermit the Frog, he's not even that beloved. I'm just telling you, Jason, you should see the mood of our city as it relates to the Lakers. They have now officially become a punchline. And I'm I'm almost tempted to hate watch because if I want to see some really bad basketball that I want to laugh at, I'm this close to actually almost watching a game. They won last night. Mm -hmm. I think this Russell Westbrook off the bench thing is actually working. He gives them some energy with that second unit, and he gets to dominate the basketball a little bit with that second unit. So they beat the Denver Nuggets last night. Uh, I want to move on to one final thing, somewhat NBA related, Mm -hmm. but I can't wait to get your take on Stephen A. Smith complaining about how much he's paid. You got to see this. We are still black in this country. We don't trust this country in terms of meritocracy always. We know the bottom line is is that just like women are underpaid compared to male counterparts, blacks are underpaid compared to white counterparts. And so when you look at it from that perspective, and of course, I have people look at me. I'm not talking about me, even though I got news for you. I am underpaid compared to some people on television and what they get paid. But that's a subject for another day. I ain't apologizing for that to a damn. So I am underpaid. Having said all of that, it ain't about me. <laughs> mm. I think he's talking about Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, uh, who are new to ESPN and making more money than him. Stephen A., depending on reports, makes between 8 and $12 million a year. Uh, Joe Buck and 
uh, Troy Aikman, I think, make between 12 and 20 million a year, I think, from ESPN. Uh, obviously, what Tom Brady's going to get from Fox, what Tony Romo's getting over at CBS. Uh, but your thoughts on Stephen A. Smith uh, being underpaid? Well, isn't because he the, the highest regular paid ESPN employee that does like the regular shows? Yes. I think I read that. But again, this, this is once yes. again the uh, grievance industry. And Stephen A. Smith, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, went on this tour, which included Fox News. So now he has to go back and get his street cred back. In other words, hey, I'm eating caviar, you're eating government cheese, and we're all the same, and it's about the man getting us. Uh, I want to see what he means by underpaid, though, in terms of metrics. Look, Buck and Aikman, they are on the most important, biggest franchise in all of American sports, the National Football League, and specifically Monday Night Football. You look at the audience numbers for that particular show, it still does very well in comparison to everything else. While Stephen A. Smith, the shows he's on, I'm sure they do okay. He never plays to that big of an audience for one night or one day. That's the truth of the matter. It's not fair, but that is what it is. Um, he, he once again is trying to lean in to the whole, hey, we're all in this together. But I, I have a real issue with this, Stephen A. Um, if you feel as though you're underpaid, once there'll be one day you will be a free agent. You'll have a chance to test the open market like anybody else. And if your football acumen is not good enough for you to be on any of the NFL coverage, well, you got to deal with those ramifications. But again, at $8 million per year doing what he does, he's not curing cancer. Um, he's not doing anything all that important. We're not going to exactly start a GoFundMe campaign for him. Again, once again, Stephen A is playing this game of trying to rile up <laughs> a certain amount of people to act like he's part of the underclass when obviously he's not. What getting paid the amount of money he's getting paid just for spouting off opinions on TV, uh, he should be thankful and grateful and uh, more so than cooking up in his head that he's underpaid and race has something to do with it. Stephen A's filling himself uh, because ESPN has invested in his first take show, bringing on uh, Michael Irvin and bringing on Mad Dog Russo. They've invested in, in Stephen A and that show and, and the ratings are improving for that show. They're now starting to occasionally rival the number, and it's a two-hour show versus Pardon the Interruption being a 30-minute show, but that show is starting to occasionally rival First Take's audience, and, and some days on Mondays, I think Stephen A. may get 600,000 viewers, and First Take may get 750, but sometimes during the middle of the week, they're neck and neck around 500, 600, thousand viewers and he's certainly starting to distance himself from what uh, Skip Bayless is able to do over at Fox Sports and so he's he's feeling himself but I don't know if in the history of television there's ever been anybody paid eight ten million dollars a year uh, when their signature show draws four to five hundred thousand viewers most days right Th that, that's a lot of money per viewer a lot 
And so I think, now, does he do a bunch of other stuff? Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to be on every show. He wants to justify being paid X number of dollars. Absolutely, that's a Stephen A choice. He could probably just do first take and make five or six million bucks a year and be perfectly fine. Uh, but that's not what he wants to do, so he does, he's got a little thing, they just came up with Stephen A's world, he, uh, he's on the NBA Countdown show, he wants to be omnipresent so he can make all the money at ESPN, but complaining uh, that he's underpaid and then playing the race card on it, it's a joke. He, he's, he's, they have invested a lot of money in him and that show, and he's getting paid a lot of money for the results. Uh, it, it, he should be thankful. He should be dropping to his knees and on TV, thank God I get paid a bunch of money for spouting off half-baked opinions. Many of them, uh, particularly anytime he goes outside the NBA, he's just speculating. He, you know, anybody, take what he did with the BYU situation. That that tells you how overvalued he is, that you play the race card on a university with no evidence, no proof, and then it blows up in your face and you got nothing to say. So I'll give you the final thought, then I'm going to let you go. Yeah, the only thing I can really say is the, the Monday ratings bump for first take, let's just call that what it is. That's the Michael Irvin effect. That's the showmaker. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Jason. I only watch that show once a week, and that's when Irvin is on. Just like today. And I guess today it was Dan Orlovsky coming off the bench because Stephen A is ill. So I didn't miss a beat. As long as Michael Irvin's there, I'm going to watch it on Monday. And then I'll watch it seven days from now on the next Monday when Michael Irvin is back. Also, in a period when ESPN viewership is down and it's been trending down for at least, what, 10 years, uh, more people are now pulling the plug on the cable and satellite they're going to streaming services and you look at espn ratings at what they were let's say compared to the glory days of chris berman and men of that uh, ilk he actually is fortunate that he still has the hammer that he can wield to get that but um i just again this is stephen a smith trying to make up for the fact that hey i went on fox news a couple weeks ago i gotta gotta get my get back well he got his get back um, but I, I just think, again, this has to fall on death ears. I, I want to make one other point as it relates to Buckman and Aikman, or <laughs> Buckman and Aikman, Buck and Aikman, is, is obviously they're on a much bigger platform, Monday Night Football. And yes, it's just once a week, it's half the year. But the other part of their value is ESPN has always, ESPN and ABC have always wanted a Super Bowl broadcast. They couldn't get it with their second tier level of Monday Night Football broadcast. Now with Buck and Aikman, they can get a Super Bowl broadcast. And so that, that's the added value, the prestige that Buck and Aikman add to ESPN. If you wanna be the worldwide leader in sports, you, gotta, and you have to have a massive voice on the NFL, you have to have Guys like Troy Aikman with his credibility and Buck, his credibility as a broadcaster, you got to have the premier guys at the top to, to, to do that. And so they're just in a different lane. Uh, you can certainly make the case they're overpaid, 
but they are bringing a value and bringing credibility to ESPN that, quite frankly, Stephen A. is not. Stephen A. does not enhance ESPN's credibility. He enhances their ability to entertain, and you know that's what they're in the business for, but he adds no credibility to ESPN. If anything, he hurts it as a journalist and as someone that spouts off half-baked opinions and just plays the race card. He makes the network more entertaining, doesn't enhance their credibility. Sometimes, and again, when you look at the money that Adam Schefter and Adrian Wojnarowski uh, are getting, that, that, a lot of that is based on perceived the credibility that they lend the network. Adrian Wojnarowski is the newsmaker as it relates to the NBA. Adam Schefter, the newsmaker as it relates to the NFL. That's all enhanced credibility, and people pay a different rate for that than just someone, hey, you come on and you be entertaining on the show. There's just no credibility enhancement related to Stephen A. Smith. That's Steve. I've kept you long enough. Oh, you got unless you got one more thing, I'll let you. I'll let you go. If not, I'll just let yeah, you go. Yeah, no comment about this. I mean, you know. Oh, you it's see awesome. Back? I mean, you know, you know, it's I, funny. It's awesome. During my contract negotiations, uh, uh, really, this big extension that I signed with the Blaze Network and Fear, I brought in Scott Boris and had to replace him with Lee Steinberg. And and, and so me, me and Lee, what about our raise to Gaston Mooney? And he said, right there, that's your raise. That's it. So there you go. You locked me up next couple of years based on that. Uh. Yeah, you blew that negotiation, uh, but we'll talk about that off the air. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, you guys, if you don't want to leave me a comment, you can go to, you can email me, fearlessblazeshow at gmail, fearlessblazeshow at gmail. I read all your emails or try to read all of them. Someone here reads them, but I read many of them, 90% of them. Uh, feel free to email me. Uh, Coach JB, Jason Brown. Last Chance Q, next. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for uh, Coach Jason Brown, the real JB. Uh, I like to call him Last Chance Q. You know him from Last Chance U, the Netflix show about uh, junior college football in Kansas. Uh, he's our preeminent quarterback guru, expert, NFL expert, loves all things NFL, loves all things sports, but right now we're using him talking about the NFL. Uh, JB, before I get to, to my first question to you about uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, I'm wondering if you could settle the dispute between uh, myself and, and Steve Kim about Derrick Henry. I think he has a chance to be one of the 10 greatest running backs of all time. I think he's the most valuable player in the NFL this year right now. Uh, you have an opinion on either one of those? Yeah. Um... <sighs> First of all, I heard your conversation with him. Um, 
coaching in the NFL is the worst I've ever seen it. And for you to start a rookie quarterback yesterday and allow that man to have 220 yards is outrageous. Why we didn't load the box and stop the run and make a rookie beat us with his arm is unbeknownst to me. We were in too high, 12 yards deep, and we refused to load the box. I don't understand it. You asked Derrick Henry to run for that many yards. Um, That's number one. So I would have loaded the box and made that young quarterback beat me. Derrick Henry would have not. So you're blaming Lovey Smith. You're blaming Lovey Smith. A defensive bad strategy. A defensive-minded yeah. guy to be that bad blows my mind, number one. Number two, uh, no, he's not top ten, not even close. And number three, the MVP of the NFL right now is Geno Smith, contrary to your belief. He is out of his mind right now, and Pete Carroll's the coach of the year. And if you want, anyone wants to argue with any of that, please let me know. So you're telling me Drew Locke as the starter, the, the Seahawks are where they are? Hell no. Geno Smith is out of mind right now. He leads the NFL in seven categories. Like, without Geno Smith, the Seahawks are dead in the water, and no one's talking about Geno Smith in any conversations as of anything. Blows my mind. And you know it as well as I do. And Derrick Henry being the MVP on a team that has no quarterback, has no wide receivers, and has a defensive-minded head coach cannot be the MVP in my opinion. And you know as well as I know, it goes to a quarterback. And what quarterback are they going to find to be the MVP this year is going to be the I'm critic. not saying, I'm not talking about who's going to win. This isn't a prediction. It's a statement that Derrick Henry is the most valuable player in the NFL right now. He beat up the Houston Texans all by himself. He's the only, uh, only OJ and Adrian Peterson only two guys with more 200-yard games, six in their careers. The guy's incredible. You can't look, man. I love what Geno Smith is doing, but MVP JB, come on, stop it, man. I, I'm just telling you, he's out of his mind. Tell, tell, give me a runaway MVP this year. Like, why isn't Geno in the Derrick Henry? At least, at least, why is Geno not in that conversation? How do you define MVP? You define MVP on how they are and what they do with their team, right? It has to be a guy that can carry their team. So Tennessee started off slow. Derrick Henry has carried their team the last three or four weeks, right? We five weeks, five straight wins. What has Gino been doing? <laughs> he's out of his mind. Like, really, he's out of his mind. I was not a Geno Smith guy, and there was no way I thought Geno Smith can do what he's doing he is throwing darts. He's 73% completion, number one. I mean, like, this is a guy that's throwing the ball, like, out of his mind right now. Look at these plays. Like, this isn't – this is big-time stuff for a team that was predicted to be last place in their division. They just beat the 6-1 and one Giants. They beat the Chargers. Like, I don't think you – you can scheme Derrick Henry later on, Jason. You can't scheme – a guy that throws the ball on time from the pocket. And Geno Smith's going to be a problem if Seattle's all bought into Pete Carroll's system like they seem to be. Uh, There's going to be a little issue here. And if Metcalfs can stay healthy with Lockett, Geno Smith, man, look at this. Like, this is against a good team. And I would argue that the MVP before yesterday was Saquon Barkley. 
for what he's done with the Giants and led that team. He's the he's been the MVP to tell yesterday, in my opinion. Uh, I do agree with you. I think Derrick Henry is on track to be the MVP because he's Derrick Henry. No one will ever select Geno Smith to be the MVP because he's Geno Smith. But I'm just telling you, Geno Smith's playing out of his mind right now. And so I was told, perhaps misinformed, disinformation, that you thought uh, Derrick Henry could wind up as one of the 10 greatest running backs of all time. But you're saying no. I mean, top 10 is tough, man. Like, you know, he just broke Eddie George's touchdown record yesterday. Uh, Eddie didn't play very long in the league. We know NFL stands for not for long, especially when running backs. Running backs don't play long in this league he would have to have another four years in my estimation uh of what he's doing right now to be even considered in that top echelon of backs with eric dickerson and with um you know the 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 ojs and jim browns and all these different guys barry sanders obviously see i don't have emmett smith in my top 10 um emmett smith in my opinion is is the most overrated (laughs) of all time Oh you don't you agree you don't agree with me? No, you can't say I just not what? in the top ten. Come on, man. Emmett Smith? Come Emmett Smith? on, man. You got Emmett Smith yes. in your top 10? Absolutely. He's got the most yards of all time. He's got three Super Bowl rings. When he so, sat down, the so team fell apart without him. Oh, so hold up. But nobody wants to put Troy Aikman in the top 10. And he has the same exact same accolades. Like, it blows my mind how we pick and choose who's in the top 10. Like, they don't win three Super Bowls without Troy Aikman. Sorry. Contrary to belief. I like Troy Aikman. I love Troy Aikman. But he's not the all-time passing leader. Emmitt Smith is the all-time rushing leader. Of course he is. They had the all-time best offensive line of all time. What do you mean? It's the number one unequivocal. It's not even a debate. The best O-line to ever play football. Ever. Don't even debate me on this. This is the best O-line ever. If you would have put Eric Dickerson, Barry Sanders, you name it, I could put Derrick Henry behind that line, and you would be talking about records that will never be caught. Ever, ever, ever. And by the way, I don't believe Emma Smith's record will ever be caught either because we don't run the football anymore. So by having said that, doesn't mean he's the best running back ever. He's not even in the top 10 skill set of all time. Not even close. But he holds the record. If you want to put it in by record and stats, go ahead. I don't use stats as the only denominator. I use multiple things. I use skill set. I use statistics, and I use were you a winner. I use those three things when I break down my greatest of all times, and I think you have to have the skill set A. Emmett doesn't even have a top 20 skill set at the running back position. He was an inside jump cut one guy and get vertical. Did Emmett Smith outrun anyone? Could he go 99? No. Could he shake you like Barry? No. Could he run you over? No. Was he a great pass receiver? No. So, like, where is he so highly skilled at? He had the best O-line behind a play-action offense that had Michael Irvin, Alvin Harper, and Jay Novacek at tight end, who was the best three combination of probably in the era. 
So you add that with the Moose Johnson at fullback, Emmett Smith diving in the run run game on defenses, and you had an the most accurate passer of all time, Troy Aikman, against two of the greatest wideouts of all time. And how are you going to beat that? So load the box. I'll JB. throw it over the top. JB, JB. Sorry. Let me tell you the two greatest abilities for a running back. The first one is obvious availability and Emmett was always available. I agree. So that's one. The second, and this, no one talks about it. And I'm shocked as a coach that, that you don't talk about it, but the second most important ability for a running back is vision. There are guys that can't see the angles, can't see the holes, don't know how to set up blockers, don't know how to manipulate defenders, and it all comes from vision. Emmitt Smith had as much vision as any running back who's ever played the game. I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I do agree with vision. I didn't even want to talk about vision because when you, when you run through a hole that's the size of a semi-truck, you don't really need a lot of vision to get through the first level. So when Barry Sanders is getting hit in the backfield and having to shake the first D lineman in his face, that's vision. <laughs> uh, Emmett that's creativity. See- that's creativity. Yeah, creativity and yeah, and knowing what's coming, uh, which I think is called third-level vision when you're coaching the running back. But Emmett Smith, you know, I think he had first-level vision, no doubt, because his, his vision was created by a, the all-time greatest O-line ever. But I don't believe he's a top-10 skill set. I just, if you want to put his stats in there and put them in there, I, I agree with you. I get it. Uh, you can't sit here and tell me he's better than I can name 10 running backs off the top of my head that were more gifted at the position. Now, I do agree he was available. I give him credit for that. He was hard nosed. I love Emmett Smith. Uh, I think he's the epitome of what a running back should be in the NFL. I don't think he's a talent by any means. I'm glad I'm glad Steve Kim isn't here because he may have fallen over and died. Uh, hey, Jason, disagreements create great conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, let me move you to your area of expertise, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Running back's my so expertise. Trevor Lawrence, right. Tre- Trevor Lawrence is starting to look like white Jamarcus Russell. Uh, he's starting to look like a bust. Uh, what, he's, he allegedly had as much talent coming into the draft as John Elway, great, most talented quarterback of all time. I was never, even, I, I was never a believer in that. I, I got it. He looks the part. He's got the size. He can run around a little bit. But I was never that big on Trevor Lawrence. Is he, are we seeing signs that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust? I, first of all, you have to ask yourself to be fair, and you're a fair guy. You're an equal opportunity, uh, keep it 100 caller, right? You call it like it is, similar to what I do. Well, I have to be honest. First of all, to be fair, you have to ask yourself, what highly drafted quarterback in the last 30 years has been drafted to a horrible organization and done well? You have to ask yourself that first. You also have to ask yourself. I use Eli. I use Eli Manning as a pre, as a uh, as like Joe an Burrow. Example. Joe Burrow. Yeah. We don't have to go that far. 
Well, the, no, you do because if Eli Manning goes to the Chargers, he's in essence Philip Rivers. If he don't demand a trade on draft day to go to the Giants, does he win two Super Bowls? I answered your question. Drafted to a bad team who has excelled, led his team to a Super Bowl. And I'm not the hugest Joe Burrow guy, but Joe Burrow's getting it done so far. Well, they, they, they've surrounded Joe Burrow with quite a crew now. He's not just sitting in here taking mm, – uh, Just ask the question. I, all I can do is give you the answer. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's hard to see this with this little body of work. Like this this body of work is – Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one since you – Colts, and there was a quarterback by the name of Peyton Manning. I'm from Indianapolis. The Ursays, that was a dumpster fire. Need I, so, go, need I go on? So you think he came in and resurrected the organization, you're saying? Peyton Manning? No, what I mean, is that, what saying, is that what you're saying, I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. He, but he, 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 he turned that whole state into a football state. That's a basketball state. I grew up there. He, he resurrected the whole, from high school football to peewee football to everything is different about Indianapolis because of Peyton Manning. Yeah, but you got to have Marvin Harrison. You got to have Edron James. You got to have these guys, too. He ain't doing all that by himself. And who, who does, who does uh, this kid have? Marvin Jones? <laughs> like, come on. Who's the running back? They just traded away their running back. Who's their running back? Like, they need some pieces. Matt Ryan, Atlanta and, Falcons. He don't even look like he's going to be Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons. Nah, well, I mean, it's it's tough, man, because you you start a guy off. This is I just want to be devil's advocate and fair here with Trevor Lawrence. He starts off with. I'm gonna a give coach. you one more. I'm gonna give you one more. I'm gonna really put it in your face and embarrass you for ad- asking that question, JB. You need to get spanked from time to time to keep you humble. Uh, you love Matt Stafford. He got drafted by Detroit, and and nobody was calling him a bust. This guy looks like a bust. Now, Matt Stafford was, go, was, go was, was, was put on the guillotine every year. What do you mean? Matt Stafford was murdered in the media. Put up he big was, numbers. He didn't. Don't be caping up for Trevor Lawrence. He ain't doing what Matt Stafford did in Detroit. I, I never was a big Trevor Lawrence fan. I said two years ago that he was going to be a bust because of the organization he went to. I said it on my show. I have receipts. Now, I'm trying just to play a devil's advocate and be a coach here. You got drafted by an organization that has Urban Meyer as your head coach who basically just screwed your organization and set you back two years. So um, it's tough to say. I don't like what I see by the decisions he's making with the roster he does have. So, yes, I will tend to say I don't see promise. I'm going to lean towards – but see that throw right there? That's a big-time NFL throw. So he has the talent. I just don't know if he has. That's a horrible ball. So I just don't know Got if he has. threw for like 130 yards yesterday, man. I know he did. And so did, so did 10 other quarterbacks, by the way. Are they all bust? Let's break down all your I 10 quarterbacks. He's the number one pick. I get it. I, I, just, said, I just said. Most I talented guy since John Elway. He had a QBR I, of 13.9. <laughs> 18 to 31, 133 yards, two interceptions. I think he's overrated, but I also said that on my show two years ago. So I've already been on record saying it. Uh, I'm just trying to give the kid a fair opportunity here with the coaching staff change. Peterson is doing better with him than Urban did. 
but I still think he's he's lacking some things. I would say yes. Um, but let's make sure we're clear here. The NFL quarterback carousel <laughs> is not absolutely lighting up the scoreboard here. I mean, we're struggling. And Josh Allen was 13 to 25 for 200 yards yesterday. I mean, we're not absolutely just blowing the roof off the the world here. And I can't wait, Jason. I'm using your. I want to. I want the world to know. You gave me the idea last chance. Q. I want to give full credit. Uh, me and Sean Salisbury, who says hello by the way, uh, is starting a show yep. and we'll be doing a show every Tuesday, Thursday called Last Chance Q with Sean Salisbury. We are fully going on live starting tomorrow. We've gotten all the works in. We're going to break down every single aspect of NFL film because I have full approval to show NFL film now on my channel, which is only the other. There's only three people, I think, <laughs> that can show film and not get copyrighted. So uh, I, I can't thank everyone enough. So I have to give you full credit for that name. Um, so we're going to start. Mm, Sean says, love it. Yeah, he, he, Sean loves you, man. But but uh, so we uh, hey, I'm just be honest. We're going to break down every quarterback and wait till we get into this, man, because there's nine guys that threw for under 200 yards yesterday. We're not absolutely just blowing the top off this thing here as far as the NFL quarterback rooms go. So. There's a lot to discuss. And Dan Orlovsky, who I'm trying to get on my show coming out yesterday and saying two is the only quarterback with over 110 QBR, is very, very misleading. Like, he's throwing the ball laterally or behind the line of scrimmage 13 times a game. So, like, let's be honest, his deep balls are horrible. So there's a lot of quarterbacks we're going to explode, expose here and Sean thinks like I do. So it's going to be a great, great show, and you're going to get a lot of content out of that. I, I want to move on to uh, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, yeah. I want to know if, if you think a different coach would fix Kyler Murray. No. I think a different quarterback would fix Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Kingsbury chose the quarterback, man. This is who he wanted. I, I think they're both horrible, but I'm just going to be honest. Coaches can't play. They can't go out there on the field. They can't execute. They can't think. They can't make you watch film. They can't do these things no more when these kids are so enabled. Uh, I'm having Patrick Queen on my show tomorrow, starting middle linebacker for the Ravens, and that's going to be very interesting because you know I'm very, very critiquing of Lamar Jackson, his quarterback. So I can't wait to have that one. You probably want to watch that tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm going to ask him that. You know, I'm going to ask him straight out because these guys are posting this every day, Jason. Who wants to play me on whatever video game it's called? And I'm like, what? Cool. And Patrick Queen's one of them. So I'm going to have him on my show, and I'm going to ask him, is this, a go is this a new thing? Because I don't know if you saw Kenny Pickett came out yesterday after his loss and said, our offensive players rather play video games than study film. He said it under a Mike Tomlin-led team. Blew my mind. Uh, I showed it on my show today. This is the generation we're dealing with, and it is evident. It is evident. You saw Patrick Peterson's touchdown dance, Jason, yesterday was this. He did that when he intercepted uh, Kyler Murray. That's a video game. Uh, if you haven't seen that, you got to pull it up. It's unbelievable. So if the players actually know this and have no respect for this kid, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Peterson, by the way, was a former teammate of Kyler Murray. So for him to say that shows you that this you you were a joke. I'm glad I got out of there. And now I have a real quarterback where I'm at. 
in Minnesota, a real team, a real structure. You're a joke, and we're going to clown you. That is, was the ultimate disrespect slap in the face to Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury yesterday when Patrick Peterson did that dance. Uh, I thought it was classic, and, and that's that shows you, Jason, that this isn't a lie. This contract was put into place for a reason, and the players know it. The people know it, and Cliff Kingsbury can't save him, and he's going to get Cliff Kingsbury fired because you already paid the man. And it's unfortunate that the players run the professional sports leagues, basketball and football in particular. And when you pay these kids early and you don't get any results, now you're at your beck and call. You're, you're held hostage by the player. And that's what's unfortunate about this thing. No. T- tell, me, tell, t- tell me this, because it's a fascinating point that does need to be explored. And I'm glad you're going into it and, like – forcing it onto my radar to take a deeper look at this. If you were a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, 24-year-old version of Jason Brown and had a contract that paid you $40 million a year and you're just a kid, would you not think the world is licked? I got Monopoly money. It doesn't matter what happens. I enjoy playing these video games. I almost feel sorry for him because, JB, I can remember being probably a 34-year-old man, 35-year-old man, you know, making, I don't know, three or 400,000 bucks living in Kansas City. And this was 20 years ago. And I loved the college football video game. Uh, and I, I don't even know what it, NCAA, whatever NCAA, year. Blah, and I, yeah. yeah, you'd get it every year. And I would go make me a Ball State team. And I would make myself the quarterback. And I can remember one year at 34, 35 years old, I, I made this Ball State team. I'm down in my basement. Uh, Cheetos over here. Uh, some kind of soda over here. Uh, and, <laughs> and I can remember to this day, the new NCAA game came out. I went down to my basement and I came back upstairs like 26 hours later. And I said, I'll never survive if, if this... If I, if I sacrificed 26 straight hours to this video game and I gave my game away and I quit playing video games because it was like I had this epiphany like, oh, my God, you just sat in your basement eating junk food and drinking pop, playing a video game all by yourself for 26 straight hours because you were trying to take Ball State to the national championship. And so I, <laughs> I relate to these kids uh, that are getting lost in these video games. I feel sorry for them. Listen, I had a guy on my show today. He brought up a great point. This is not new, Jason. You just said your story. You just told us a story. You probably had atrophy in your fingers, too, in your arms, right? Because you <laughs> that's what happened. My brother just played him all day. He was a world record holder in asteroids. He was in the front, co- front cover of a newspaper back in 1986. And I'm like, so I'm sitting there like, 
This is not a new thing, Jason. Video games been around a long time since in television, ColecoVision, Intellivision, uh, you know, Atari, Adams. I go way back, you know, and then Nintendo hit and PlayStation. And this is not new. So why now is it so big of a deal? That is the problem. That is why we're asking these questions. Because video games have been around for a long time. We all grew up playing video games. We wanted to beat you in the game, John Madden game, 21 nothing. We wanted to talk crap to you, beat you 21 nothing. get off the sticks. Next guy up. We did that when we were playing college football it, it, d- during our college careers. It didn't absolve us. It didn't consume us. We had what's called self-motivation and something that we could say, okay, let me self-motivate motivate myself to go out and get my life together. These cats now are being anointed. We were chasing the bag, Jason. We had to do these things to go get this money and eat or be eaten, especially from when the, you're from the inner city and you're like, I don't have the pot to piss in anyway. Let me go get this. Video games ain't going to get it for me. Jason, nowadays, a video gamer made more money than LeBron James last year. So nobody knows that. My manager represents him. I know for a fact he did. More money than LeBron James playing video games. That is something we're not talking about enough in mainstream media because that is now the the, the, the thirst. I'm going to be the next IG model. I'm going to be the next YouTuber. I'm going to be the next video gamer. If they're making this much money, why would I not sit at home for 26 hours in my basement and eat myself to death playing video games if I can hit it big and get generational wealth one time? That is a real question, and I don't know what's making NFL guys that make $140 million do it. That is a whole nother ball game, but I have some some thoughts on it. I mean, I just think that we're weak-minded as hell. I don't think we have any leadership. Our circles are very, very yes-man, yes-ma'am circles. I don't believe we have anyone in our circles telling us, no, Jason, stop eating Cheetos. Get your butt out of the basement. We don't have that no more, Jason. We got, man. Do what you do, dog. You go. You you earned it. You the man. Nah, man. I need you to tell me what's real, not what I want to hear. And we have too many of that. Too much of that, man. We have entirely too much of that. I, I think uh, there's some other factors at play, though. I, I think that uh, smoking weed has become so accepted, normalized. It's not just like, hey, I do it on weekends to have a little fun. It's People get high every day, and it's all, oh, it's for health reasons, for my glaucoma, it's for all this pain, it's for this. Nah, man, it, it's, you like to smoke weed, you like to sit around and be lazy. And then I think that uh, the cell phones and our addiction to the cell phone has kind of like reprogrammed us into our whole world is online. It's not in actually going out and dealing with each other as real people, it's DMs and they put these computers now, they're all connected over the internet and you can carry on conversation. I can remember uh, last year or a couple years ago, uh, a friend of mine, he moved here and his his kid uh, moved here with him and the kid already had a friend here in Nashville because they were online friends from gaming, from playing, and they finally got to meet each other through the whole gaming thing. 
And so I just think, I, I, I'm telling you, I can't blast, and it's wrong what Kyler Murray's doing. He's getting paid all this money. All these athletes are getting paid all this money to honor their profession. But I have sympathy for them in the way this world has been rigged that they're trapped in that matrix of video games and this online world. I, I don't have sympathy for the fact that how I was raised and what I had to get out of and do uh, without someone telling me to do it. So I have, I'm a different thought. I have a different thought. I do understand what you're saying though. Totally. Um, you know, I could have slain, I could have been a dope dealer and followed my mentors and made a left at the stop sign. But I said, you know what, I'm going to make a right because once I hit puberty, I actually knew the difference between right and wrong. And nowadays we want to use this, uh, mental health as a crutch really when it's called mental weakness and we don't want to get out of our own way and create our own path. We want everything handed to us. So we are the most enabled self instant gratification era I've ever seen. And, uh, I, 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 I have a different take than you on that regard, because I think at some point, if you cannot be a self motivator, then you are going to fail in life period. Because if you need someone to wake you up every day, and, I, you know, one of my favorite quotes is don't let an alarm clock be the only reason you wake up. Um, that is a real quote I use with my players every day, because why use an alarm clock? Be self-motivating about tomorrow. You got stuff to do. You got to get up and make your bed first. How about we start there? And I don't think we have any of that thought process anymore. We want to we're getting too much money too early, Jason, period. And I don't care what sport you're in. You're getting paid too early without proving anything. The kid out of high school in California that I coached as a little kid, his dad was my tight end, got $8 million already from Tennessee. He hasn't even played it down. What if he's a bust? Like, I don't understand how we're giving these kids money, and you don't think that's a big, huge burden on these kids' shoulders? Like, there's no pressure on this kid to go perform, you don't think? And he already got $8 million, and the crowd base is going to be like, we gave you what? How much money? Like, come on, man. You're setting these kids up for failure. So I do understand your sympathy in that regard, but I also say you got to be a man and man up and say, all right, enough is enough. Uh, if I want to do this the right way, I got to be a self-motivator and think for myself and not let my circle and my do boys think for me and tell me sweet whisper, sweet nothings in my ear. Um, there's just so much to this because Jason, we can get into this cell phone and social media thing like no other. I could write a book about it. I talk about it on my show all the time. Obesity is at an all time rate in, in, in America. Social media. I mean, I'd rather have Uber Eats deliver me food than go walk, park in the parking lot, number one, walk into the store, walk around, shop, meet a beautiful woman maybe, and then get my butt back in the car and come home. And that's, you know what? I'll meet the beautiful woman right here on my phone. I'll, I'll have the food delivered to me while I sit here and play video games for 26 hours because I can make my mortgage on YouTube as a gamer. So that's the the dilemma we face and uh you comprise that jason with taking pe out of curriculum you taking those type of things that we're doing in society compiled with social media uber eats deliveries and the lack of exercise just because you want to get out the house uh you comprise all those things together and compile those things you probably you're probably going to have a pretty damn soft not only body-wise soft, uh, mental soft in America. And that's what we have right now at all-time high. 
JB, excellent appearance. Uh, your thoughts on Emmett Smith were ridiculous. Everything else was A+. Plus. Uh, look forward to Last Chance Q with you and Sean Salisbury. Uh, great job. Tell Sean I said hello. Uh, we'll see you next week. Emmett Smith and that was means, uh, <laughs> That means uh, we'll hear tomorrow and see you tomorrow. Freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want. I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want.